Good evening, friends. This week we are looking at the lesson Developing a Winning Attitude. And boy, am I excited! I just love being around persons with a positive attitude, you know. It's, it's like having a tall glass of coconut water on a hot day and you find yourself slurping through the straw up to five minutes after it's done because you just can't have enough. I just love being around positive people. The text this week tells us in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense or an explanation to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. A few years ago, one of my team members in India visited our Montego Bay office. You know, we had developed a great working relationship and of course I was super excited to finally meet him. Well, he came bearing a nice package and with a wide grin, he handed it to me. I didn't open it at the time. I placed it in my drawer and later that evening decided to open it then. After opening the box and carefully removing the packaging around what, what appeared to be an exquisite sculpture, I found it was the head of Buddha. I thought to myself, oh dear, now I'm on a sticky wicket. So I placed the head in my drawer. The next day when I opened my desk drawer, I thought to myself, you need to say something. You need to share your faith. But each time the thought came, friends, I dismissed it thinking, later I will. The following day, I opened my drawer again and that shiny silver head of Buddha, it stared back at me as if to say, psst, aren't you going to say something? So I called my friend over, thanked him for the gift again, and asked him if he was a Buddhist. He quickly replied, no drone. But in India, the head or the bust of Buddha makes for a nice gift. That's why I had to get one for you. So I said to him, what do you believe? Who do you worship? And he said, John, we have in excess of 500 gods. There are so many to choose from. And friends, that was my opportunity to tell my friend what I believed and to share with him the book Steps to Christ as my gift to him, which, of course, he graciously accepted. So let me read the text again. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense or an explanation to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you, with meekness and with fear. You notice I said, give an explanation, because oftentimes we take the sword of the Spirit as a literal sword, and we cut asunder the faith of another person who does not believe what we believe to be the truth. Yes, we sometimes wage what I'd like to call a holy war, and we walk away feeling justified, not knowing the impact our words and our attitudes have on someone else, and how that can affect our ability to influence them. You know, earlier this week I heard Pastor Denzi say that you have to be very, very careful when you're sharing the truth with others, because 
even when you're sharing the truth and you're letting the person know that, hey, what you believe in all these years is an error, to some people their doctrine is something that they hold dear. And so it's like you're talking bad about their mother. <laughs> and let me tell you, I understood that very well because even at school, if you wanted to insult someone really bad, if you wanted a fight, you tell that person about their mother. A guy would say, you talk bad about my mother, I have to defend that. And so similarly, he says, when you're sharing the truth with someone, bear in mind that they love this truth, this doctrine that they hold dear as their mother. So if you go telling them that this is wrong, be prepared that they're ready to defend that. So you need to pray. You need to pray for God's grace and for divine wisdom to approach it the right way. And so we have to present the truth in love, as the Apostle Paul says it in Ephesians 4 verse 15, so as not to turn others away. Also, you know that sometimes we present the truth of God's word in such a way that it's as though we're saying, you are such an idiot that you don't get something so simple. You're telling me you don't understand it. It's clear as day. I remember sharing with you, my listeners, that I used to study myself at school lessons with my mother because there were elements of the lesson that she just didn't understand. And yet what seemed straightforward and clear to me sometimes gave her a challenge in understanding. And in much the same way, when we present the truth of God's word, let's not be telling others, you don't get it. This is as simple as ABC. It's as simple as one, two, three. Because oftentimes, their defenses will go up. And we would have missed on a wonderful opportunity to witness in love. And there's also a third way that we present the truth. That sometimes it annoys people and turns them off. I like to call it humble bragging. What is humble bragging? Well, it's when someone consciously tries to get away with bragging about himself or herself and, and covers it up in a, in a kind of false show of humility. You know, when someone is boasting, you know, but they disguise it in a humble statement. Let me give you an example. Like someone would say, Brethren, last week I fed 15 elderly persons with my own funds. I don't have a lot, you know, but God has placed me here to be a blessing to others, you know. Or, or, or they might say, uh, you know, last year when I, I helped my kids and to pack and distribute nearly 100,000 worth of their designer clothes to the orphanage. You know, it was such a joy to see the smiles on the children's faces. And, you know, my kids learned a, a, a lesson in giving. Humble bragging. I'm sure that we all can think about one humble bragger that we have met. But get this, they sometimes turn up holding the Bible too. Yes, you have humble braggers who are holding the Bible. So it's a kind that, that knows the truth, knows that you know that they know the truth, but they also want everyone else to know that they know it as well. So this is a kind of person that always seem to stand up in Sabbath school or in Bible class and say, teacher, I have a question. 
I hope my learned friends can give me the answer as I didn't attend college or university. And then that person proceeds to ask the question and answer it himself. We have seen that. Or, or someone seeking the truth might ask them a question, you know, and they might say something like, um, Brother, even though I follow the Bible here, and, and even though I've read from Genesis to Revelation every year for the past 10 years, I still don't know it all, but let me see if I can answer your question. Humble bragging. It's funny, I see it all the time. But do you know bragging about ourselves and what we know is also spoken of in the Bible? Jeremiah 29 and Jeremiah 9, sorry, and 23 states. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. You see, friends, a person who brags about his or herself is not giving credit to God, without whom he or she could do nothing. By bragging, a person is showing himself to be prideful, which is also condemned in the Bible. The Lord detests all that are proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. And Proverbs 16 and verse 5 says that. So when someone brags about their knowledge of scripture, it is also a turn-off to others. The Ministry of Healing, page 143, puts it this way. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desires their good. He shows his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he would bid them follow him. Well, if this isn't the blueprint for soul winning, I don't know what is. You see, friends, Christ had a winning attitude because he understood his mission and his purpose. You know, I've often said this, that it's not just corporations alone that need to coin a mission statement. I believe every single man, uh, woman, boy, girl must have an underlying mission statement that guides the direction of their lives. Otherwise, you know, they're, they're doomed to be turning to and fro aimlessly drifting on the sea of life, you know, moved by, by every wind of doctrine. You've got to have a mission statement. What was Christ's mission, mission statement for his time here on earth? Luke 19 and verse 10 and also Matthew 18 and verse 11 tells us, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. That's it. That was Christ's mission statement. And that was the foundation of his ministry. And as a result of that, as a result of knowing his mission statement, as a result of, uh, of living his mission statement, Christ could love who we'd consider the unlovable. And Christ could save what the world saw 
as unsavable, if there's such a word. And, and so while the world said that Christ hung out with singers, sinners sorry, and, um, and tax collectors, Jesus' attitude was, no matter what you've done, I'm willing to forgive you and provide you with the power to change. Oh, friends, wouldn't you have the mind of Christ? Philippians 2 and verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, in our relationship with each other, let us have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Can't we like Christ present truth for love's sake? You see, we must. 1 John 4 and 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I read Ministry of Healing, page 143 again. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desires their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he would bid them follow him. As we pray this week for a winning attitude to share the love of Christ, let's check in for a heart transplant. It's not too late and it's actually quite simple. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you or, or stir you or, or prompt you to follow my ways and make you be careful to keep my laws. And when we have that new heart in us, all the world will know. Why? Because then, friends, we will definitely reflect the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23 tells us, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. Would we have the mind of Christ? Would we have the mission of Christ? Would we develop a willing attitude? Let us have that heart transplant and reflect the fruits of the Spirit. God bless you.